Hi, I'm Holiday Kirk, and thank you for listening to the New Metal Agenda podcast. If you want to help further expand the New Metal Agenda, check us out on patreon.com slash newmetal underscore agenda. Membership perks include ad-free episodes, Patreon-exclusive podcasts, the ability to submit questions for guests ahead of time, free merch, and more. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, people who don't give a fuck. I'm Holiday Kirk, coming to you live from Los Angeles. With me tonight are my co-hosts, Cranfather. Hey, everybody. Riv. Hey. Big celebrity guest in the building. This man's been everywhere, seen it all, done it all. Please welcome from so many bands, but currently Evanescence, drumming legend, Will Hunt. Legend. <laughs> Will legend. Hunt. Will that Hunt, it's great to old. have you. Does it mean that you're old? I mean, yeah. I was I was considering this earlier. I don't want to jump too far ahead of it, but when like you kind of broke into the music world, you were like already 30, right? uh well not not kind of i mean i i was in stuck mojo when i was like 25 26 maybe oh no kidding well we gotta so what this episode is gonna be just because i was taking in your resume as a whole this really has to be our first edition of a of a program i've always wanted to do called crazy ass moments and will hunt history where i feel like you kind (laughs) of just got to walk us through the entire career um you want to now? You want to start there because I don't even. I'm looking at your resume right here. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even. I don't even see Stuck Mojo on here. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I can't even keep track of all of it, man. To be honest, it's like. And by the way, none of it was by design. It was all because, um, you know, I only wanted to be in one band, but it was just you know by necessity. It's like if you want to play and make music for a living, you kind of got to pivot, but. Um, especially isn't that just the drummer's life that's always just been the drummer's life is it's like singers in one band guitarists in one band the drummers in like 80 different bands (laughs) i guess there's not a lot of those i guess that's part of the problem nobody wants to like the drums are the worst instrument hindsight being 2020 i would have picked a different instrument because it's like you gotta haul all that gear exactly you're the last you're the first guy in the club the last guy out you know, the singer, he brings in a microphone. Okay, I'm ready. All right. Um, so, so where did you start then? You said in the 90s, you were in Stuck Mojo. Stuck Mojo being, are we are we considering them new metal? Like, they're kind of always been to me, like, in the area, maybe a little before that movement. I think that, I don't know, man. I mean, if you, quite honestly, I think if you if you listen to their first two records, they were kind of like, you know, one of the one of the forefathers of it, really. I mean, but they were considered rap metal at the time. But yeah, um, yeah, they were kind of really funky and groovy and kind of had that whole bouncing. That was the first band that I played in where, you know, I don't remember exactly what venue this was. Maybe it was an Atlanta hometown show, but where I remember looking out and just seeing the entire audience was you know, probably 5,000 people just bouncing all at once. Um, and that's like, fact, that's, that's huge yeah, a part of the new metal sound, you know? Totally. And I think that, yeah, I, yeah, I would consider them, I don't know, man, that's, that's a good rich ward question, but um, yeah, I think that they were kind of the forefathers of it really. At the same time, what's interesting about this is that um, I was in another band and I knew Clint Lowry and Corey Lowry really well. Um, and Troy McLaughlin, who also plays in Evanescence with me, and they were in a band called Still Rain going way back. 
But uh, I knew those guys and Clint, they had just disbanded from the band that they were in together. And Clint had just joined this band called Crossface, which became Seven Dust. It was it was all the guys in Seven Dust, but somebody else had Crossface, so they had to uh, change the name. But anyways, at that very same time, Corey had gotten stuck mojo and the Corey, they needed a drummer and he dragged me in. You know, I went and auditioned and thank you, Corey. Um, but uh, I can't remember what the freaking question was, but. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, I think it's cool that you bring up the bounce because the bounce to me has always been a crazy, like guitar and drum phenomenon is that the mm -hmm. drums, like I always am trying to describe what the bounce riff really is. Cause it's so awesome. And it really is the drums coming down on this, like, dude, how, can you help me with this one? I wish I knew the music theory so I could say like what it's, notes you play. Honestly, it's, I think what it is, and you know, we've kind of like broke this down, I guess, not scientifically, but it's basically where um, it's almost like, you know, you've got all this chaos going on, right? And then it's where the riff just simplifies. It all of a sudden goes from being, you know, and it goes, and the you know drums I mean? always kinda... the drums tend to have this rhythm it's like do doom do doom do doom do doom like you're supposed to be able to get your feet on the ground off the ground back on the ground it's that tempo man right yeah. it's a tempo it's a, it's a tempo real like right. yeah it's a real like rhythm grounded in in the body totally i mean if you're playing fast you know that, 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 that's more like you know you got the circle pit going on yeah but then when you break it down you know it's just you know, heavy and simple. I mean, you know, simple, stupid. That's when people start bouncing. So we have like, there's this, the, the way that I actually found you was there's this uh, other new metal fan page that is mm -hmm. like trying really hard to get scrape back together. And, you know, <laughs> you know, best of luck. Love that energy. I don't, I yeah. don't know if it's going to happen, but that was when I found out you used to be in scrape. And I think, you know, today you're probably well, more well known in evanescence but i was like oh oh shit he was in scrape dude i love yeah. scrape and that was how like awesome. i had to I had to reach out so how did That's you awesome. come how did you come to be in scrape well scrape was came from um i went to europe with stuff mojo and uh this would have been november of 90s late october and then in november december of 96 and we were over there with a band that i had actually never heard of before but come to find out were huge in Europe and Germany, particularly called Life of Agony, who a lot of people know who that band is now. But um, so we were on a tour with them, opening for them. And I saw it, man. Like at that point, this is in 96. So metal was kind of on the back burner in the States. New metal wasn't even a thing. And I saw with my own two eyes, these European audiences and how loyal and how into it they were into the, you know, the heavy music. And I'm like, you know, I kind of decided that I wanted to do my own thing. And Stuff Mojo was uh, Rich's band, you know, Rich and Bones and Corey. And I came in later and, um, you know, I'm thankful for that opportunity. But it, for me, it was just kind of like, I want to do my own thing. So fast forward, I came back to Orlando and I knew what I was looking for in a guitar player. Um, the singer, Billy Keaton and I, go way back even before well before stuck mojo so i felt like i could and at that time it was like a perfect storm at that time um unbeknownst to each other the bass player from scrape and i were in jacksonville um 
at this outdoor thing. It's so funny. It's Danny Wimmer, and everybody knows who Danny Wimmer is now. Again, this is back in like '97, and uh, he said he came on to introduce his band. It's like a very special treat. Blah blah blah. Deftones. It was Deftones, and like this again, they were on their first record tour in a van. And nobody even knew who they were. And I remember my mouth drop. I'm like, holy shit. So I've, you know, I've had the Stuck Mojo experience. Then I saw Deftones. And for me, it's like, okay, I know what I need. I know what I want to do. And so Billy kind of has a Chino-esque thing to it, to, him, to his vocal. And then I found this guitar player in Orlando that everybody's like, hey, you got to, you know, hook up with this guy. And um, it's got Mike Lynchard. And... So he and I started riffing out. I brought Billy in, and then Mike said, "Well, I know Pete, who was the bass player, and uh, we just started making music, man, and it worked. It was like we wrote that record, that first record, in I don't know, man, maybe like two months. So that record was, for the most part, written um, by the end of '98. So new metal really wasn't a thing yet, and well, then we got signed." I think 98 new metal was a thing. It was coming up. Like, Biscuit was starting to kind of do their thing. Around the Fur had come out. Um, what really did, start- what really happened in 98, I don't want to talk at you like you weren't there. Like, this happens sometimes. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, well, you don't seem to understand. You're like, dude, <laughs> I was there. But that's when Follow the Leader happened. And that was just like, corn. Follow the Leader. And that was like, instant yeah. And I think yeah, that I mean, was yeah. when everyone every label you could think of was like, we all, like we, every one of us need our new metal band. You know what I mean? Totally. And also um, with Limp Biscuit having uh, the cover of Faith, like that blew up. Yep. Yeah. Kind of the same deal. And again, same deal with Limp Biscuit. Saw Limp Biscuit before that thing hit. And they were on the uh, Ladies Night in Cambodia tour um, with the front end of the Jeep with DJ Lethal. We just saw, I don't know, it was like this whole hotbed of things happening and kind of in the Southeast, really, um, that we were a part of, you know? And what's yeah, interesting is, is that... Go on. Well, the, tra- the trajectory of Scrape, I think, may have been different if we finished our record and then there was a hiccup with our label. You know, so weird, right? And um, our record came out a year after it was done. It was supposed to come out a year earlier. And I think if we had come out then, we may have had a little bit of a different story. Now, we'd all be dead because none of us were responsible enough to handle any of that. But you know what? It's funny you say that because what I what I was considering today. So I I fucking love New Killer America. I really think that that's like a classic of the genre. And what I love so much about it was in 2001, you had so many new metal bands making that turn into like post grunge, like Stained and Nickelback and Puddle of Mud. But New Killer America is like so bright and shiny. There's these like synths going everywhere. The guitar tones are really trebly. The bass has like that really high rattle to it. And it's like very upbeat. It's not it's not sad. You know what I mean? not a depressing mm-hmm. album at all it just fucking goes and yeah. i definitely empathize i don't empathize i was never in a band in the late 90s i definitely <laughs> sympathize with what you're saying when you're saying one year earlier may have made all yeah. the difference because 2000 is like like the crest of it and in 2001 it's like there's some changing tastes and uh totally well yeah 2001 when it came out things started to kind of navigate and i actually did an interview i remember this and i got a lot of shit from from the guys in the band and management, particularly first, because I did an interview and they're like, you know, what do you think of the 
scene. I remember it was out back of this club in West Virginia somewhere. It was just shitty. I'm like, you know what I think about this? It's like I've been watching this shit for a long time. It's kind of like hair metal. Like everybody's on it. There's a few bands that start this whole thing, and then every label runs out, and they find another band just like that. Nirvana, Alice in Chains, that genre, the whole thing. And then they go out and they sign all these bands that are like that. And there's really only four or five of them that actually do something. And I've said flat out, I said, I think we're in that right now. I think that's what's going on. I think the water is cloudy. There's only so much room for these kinds of bands. And these labels have gone out and signed all these other bands that are horrible. That's and so, dude, that's, that's so crazy that you said that because yeah. we just did this interview with um, an author, Brian Reisman, who was at Billboard mm -hmm. magazine around this time. And he wrote this great article called Sustaining the Success. And this came out June 23rd, 2001. And it was about like how metal is taken over and it's selling crazy records, but also, wow, a lot of, a lot of bands getting signed. So like the bands in here is, um, you, I, you'll recognize all of these, like Stereo Mud, Edema, Drowning Pool. Stereo Mud was Corey, who I was in Stuck Mojo with. I know. Nonpoint, yeah. Mudvayne, Scrape, there you are. Isolated was enjoying, <laughs> air, Isolated was enjoying some airplay at this time. Yeah. But um, yeah, there were just so many bands. And I think with the tide turning, all those bands, and I think all of those bands made some worthwhile stuff, but like you had to have felt like, ah, we're getting lost in the shuffle. Completely. I knew it. Like I completely felt it. And another thing that I've, kind of noticed too is that and this became really true when we went out with pantera um we went out and did the extreme steel tour in the summer of um 01 and it was um morbid angel who is you know the og death metal band um us static x slayer and pantera that was the bill and you know we thought we were heavy until we went out and played on that bill. And we were just getting our asses handed to us every night because at that point I could see the general public, the people that were, you know, true metal fans, they despised new metal. At that point, new metal had been coined, rap metal, whatever you want to call it. And I could just see it, man. I mean, we, we wound up doing really well on that tour ultimately, but there were a few shows that like, you know, that's the kind of shit you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, man. They they brutal crowds. And I just saw it, like, I just saw it. I was like, man, this, what is, it's, we got to move on. We got to do something different, you know? I do wish that we could, like, define more of the regional styles of new metal, because I like what you said there about the South, Southeastern yeah. flavor to it, because it was yeah. like, man, like, because it's like you guys, Limp Biscuit, Endo, Twisted Method, like, there was a sound there. There was a sound, yeah, yeah, yeah there was a sound there. Like, we should, man, yep. we should gather that up and, like, give all that its credit because it was just a lot brighter and a lot you know it was just hot it was a lot more hot down there like like uh west I coast mean, west coast new metal could be a little little sludgier a little bit slower but you guys like had more of an industrial thrash kind of kind of groove to it yeah i mean because you're talking about an area that kind of was the impetus for a lot of the uh like they call now edm you know, like that yeah. all started down in Orlando and this whole area. Like this was the the main stomping ground for that whole movement. And then, you know, out of that, you had Jenna Tortures, which was sort of a, an amalgamation of that. And also Marilyn Manson. I mean, a lot of people don't realize it, but, you know, they really started in Miami. So 
it's like we were all kind of coming from that seed um where with us with the keyboards and stuff like that was scrape you know we kind of said we wanted to do it we didn't want to be industrial we wanted it to be more like if uh the death tones had a car wreck with the cars you know like that kind of keyboard stuff i love that's kind of where that sound came from really jenna tortures that was uh david vincent from morbid angel right yeah, but what's not at that time, at that time, is actually Pete, the bass player in Scrape. He was in Jenna Tortures. Um, David came in later, much later. Oh, really? But he was the original OG. He's, you know, the uh, one of the original members of uh, Morbid Angel. Let me ask you this. If you could change one thing about New Killer America, would you put it out in 2000 or would you change that album cover? <laughs> I, I don't know. Whenever I really recommend this article, whenever I recommend this album to people, people always go, I can't even look at this album cover. This is like the most, and I don't agree. I, I've come around to it, but people, Cran, don't you hate this album cover? He's he's frozen. He's solid. Frozen. He, he, can't even, so he can't even answer the question. And it's like, I, I was curious though. Not that bad. Dude, people fucking hate it's this gross album. but it's not that bad. like yeah i think people it's like it's like how people get about the word moist right where it's like <laughs> i'm gonna well, pretend to have and it's like it's creepy it's gross wow. but it's like he couldn't he could grandfather was like i'm not talking about this album cover can't he, even do he, it can't even He's think out. About he heard well, the word see, moist and he booked it did you see the inside of the cover i haven't yeah, okay so it's like a it's like a surgery theme right yeah, but it's yeah, pretty much. But it's like packaged meat. It's, yes. it's really yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the album cover for the advanced version. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then it's got like a there's a pig fetus on it, and it's pretty gnarly, man. Um, I always like the I always like the plastic wrapped one, like the shrink wrapped one with just like the steak on it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the uh, the uh, sample cassette. You know your stuff, man. That's great. Yeah, I always thought that could have been like album cover. How did you end up though with the with the hangnail one? That was the um we were shooting. Man, whose uh, toe the, is the, it? Is it a toe? Isn't it's it? It's a toe. It's a finger. Um, it was the guy who was the video commissioner for RCA Records. And we were filming uh photos with this guy, this photographer, really famous photographer guy named Dan Winters. And Dan is a, a real freaky guy and he had the idea of like hey let's do the pig fetus and let's do all the stuff and so we started doing that and then he did a test shot like he saw this guy's name is lauren finkelstein and he saw his hand sitting on the table and he took his camera and went boom and he pulled it up and he just on a polaroid and it was like holy shit and we all looked at each other and like that's it like that's the fucking cover and because what does it do it it exerts a reaction like you see that and your skin crawls or you just go oh what the fuck you know what i mean i mean that thing was all over best buys around the country in these huge things and as disgusting as it was it it worked i mean people were just like i gotta check this out if nothing else then what the fuck is that you know yeah i mean if it's if it's got artistic merit behind it it's got to stick around that's important and it does i mean you can't you can't lie it does elicit the reaction to this very day absolutely to this very absolutely. day yeah i love that i i do love that aesthetic and i do love that it, it does reach out and grab you um 
And so the, now here's, I've been, dude, I've been like dying to ask this question forever too. All right. You guys ended up big in Japan. I, well, I just got back from Japan. It's so funny, man. How the fuck? I, I always have figured it was like the synths, right? Well, funny story. In Japan, we had a different album cover. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little different album cover. Damn well, it. They okay. So they, they basically RCA in Japan sent it out, you know, uh, not the record, but they sent out some promo to all the, the stores, you know, their uh, distributors and all that stuff in Japan. And they were like, we're not carrying this. We're not putting this on the shelves. We're not doing any displays. We're not doing anything. It's disgusting. So they wouldn't touch it. So they're like, guys, we got to change the cover. And it ended up being something a little bit more Japan and May, I think. And then actually, let me back up. They wanted to do that. And we were like, fuck no, man. That's the cover. If you don't want it, fuck off. And we held our ground. And so that actually is the cover. They came up with a different cover. And we were like, no, it's not going to be that. And um, it was a really cool cover. <laughs> we should have used it. I don't know. But uh, I think that cover actually ended up being the cover for the single for uh, Isolated. And that song was the song that was massive in Japan. And no shit. We, uh, we went over there. It's funny. I just played Summer Sonic Festival over there. So they have it back-to-back, two days back-to-back. Uh, first day is in Okinawa. Second day is in Tokyo, and, or vice versa, depending on where you start. And we saw the lineup, and like Manson and slipknot were headlining it but we were way up the bill and i remember um the cult like they opened for us at that fest at those that festival in both places and we saw they're like man they're playing before us like it's got to be a different stage like no they're on your stage they're playing before you that's how big your band is over here and i remember matt storm was playing drums for them at the time and i saw him in catering <laughs> And he was just like, you know, very Californian. And he's like, oh, bro, man, like, I've never even heard of you guys, man. How are you guys playing after us? And I'm like, well, you heard of us now. <laughs> like, in your what are you going to do? Who we are now. Go like, back to Europe, wherever they're from. Oh, man. So funny. He's a cool guy. I like Matt. But it's, I had a good moment to kind of poke him for a second. I mean, yeah, that, that's got to be pretty validating. It was cool, moment. man. And. Yeah. They still that song still has legs over there. Everybody knows who Scrape is. I think that your the your summer sonic performance, it, what was it? Oh oh one or was it zero? Oh one. That was 01? um yeah. That was that's after like, the Pantera tour. Dude, that's like my favorite performance ever. I've seen I'll that performance you, so many times. Like you just annihilated. And like you flip the track list, you open with blow up and you finish with what yeah. you say. And that crowd is just going insane. It's a perfect day. Beautiful blue sky. Dude. I had a broken hand that day. Oh, I was shit, playing shit. with a broken left hand. That's why um, your that's why your screams are like particularly raw. Oh yeah, they were they were legit. They were legit. <laughs> I was like, I just can, can they just poke a needle in there and like, you know, take the pain away, numb it so I can play the show. And in Japan, they don't do that, you know, unless you're getting surgery. They don't do any injections or anything like that so it was like i don't remember what i did man we didn't even have any alcohol so it's just like just grin and bear it you know so i took up a, a stick and i put it between my fingers like that and i duct taped it to my hand oh man and i gotta go watch I it again so now if you, if you look at that you'll see this i'm not playing normal and you know it's 
It's funny that you didn't even notice that, but yeah, no. it was an interesting two shows. I love that one because though, because like all I think of all those bands that didn't get their due, all those great new metal bands that didn't quite get their due. It's like for that one moment, like you guys got that, got what you deserve. Yeah. You're on top of the fucking world, crowd just going nuts. It's awesome. You, it's awesome. You just said it, man. It validated us for a second, and we felt very um recharged after coming off of that Pantera tour where we were, you know, getting our ass kicked every night and it was a fight. Like I said, we most shows we ended up pulling the crowd in, but it was a fight every single night. So to go there and play that show or those two shows and have that reaction again, the, you can see the crowd bouncing. It was just, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was amazing for us. Do you have any other, did you do like a full Japan tour? No, we, uh, we did those two shows. Um, what else? Uh, South Korea, like we were over there for a little bit, but we did, uh, yeah, it was mainly those two things. And we wanted to go back. They, they offered us to go back, but at the time that happened, there was just some, it was too much chaos going on. Man, what, do you have any other Japanese related memories though? Because if, if, if what I'm reading here is correct, it was the 12th highest selling album of the freaking year. In Japan? This is what I'm, this is the, this is what I'm reading. Where's my money? You're like, you're like, you're like, what the, you're like, can we go back now? Maybe we will reunite. First, I, I want to know who's holding my money because I'm going to go find you. Um, I don't know, dude. It was so cool, dude. And again, I've been back there several times with Evanescence. Mm -hmm. And every time we go there, I see people and the first question out of their mouth is, you know, scrape, scrape, you know, and they all say, you know, scrape, come to Japan, kill Godzilla. You know, we're like, fuck yeah, you know, like we want to go back over there, you know, and I still, I still, I'm still in communication with everybody in Scrape, you know, um, except for one guy. Um, but other people are in communication with him. Um, so technically, we could get back together, you know. It's just a question of how do you fit that in with everything you, else. Have you ever pitched Amy on an isolated cover? <laughs> yeah, I can see it working. I, I don't know if she's even, I, I feel like I played it maybe one time. It was just in a dressing room and she was like, oh, that's cool. Who's that? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. And I'll just say it was your idea. <laughs> Please. So, okay. So, you know, New Killer America comes out. And during this very narrow window where the record industry is just at its absolute peak, you sell 100,000 copies, which is terrible at the time. That's, yeah. you know. It's like that, that was, was like amazing. that was like get in the boardroom, get yelled at numbers. Right. Well, when that record came out, we were yeah. out on tour with Disturbed and they were headlining. It was their first headlining tour and Down with the Sickness was blowing up. And I want to say the cover of uh, Shout, uh, the Tears for Fear song had just mm -hmm. come. I don't remember where they were at in their cycle, but they were doing really well. So we were um, direct support for them. And our record came out the week that we were out with or you know during that tour and the first week it sold like almost thirteen thousand copies which at the time you know bands were selling you know eight hundred thousand copies but for a brand new band it was a big deal and i remember dan donigan coming over and saying dude you guys he knew before us like you guys sold almost thirteen thousand copies it's incredible it's like it's fucking insane and um I was like yeah it is and he's like yeah dude he's like we sold like four thousand our first week and, uh, you know, you see where they're at, but 
<laughs> I guess it didn't mean much. Yeah, but they, but... yeah, but like they had continued support. Like you didn't really have a music video for Waste. Like, no, it was like part not of the EPK. Yeah, yeah. Our problem was here's the other thing. I, there were a couple signs that I got. You know, the one that I was telling you about when we were kind of washed in with all the other, you know, other new metal bands. But um, the other one was is that when we got signed to RCA, this is. This is a normal story, but the president was this guy, Don Jansen, and he loved our band and championed our band. He's like, you guys are going to be massive. And at that point, all those things were pulling. They were spending money on the photos. We were about to shoot a big video. And right before our record came out, he was let go. And they had a new president come in. And we played a show at CBGB, and the new president came out. And I remember... A photographer was there for RCA and he was just like, hey, you know, you want to talk to this guy? I remember his name. That's how not important he is to me. Um, but he, he was like, uh, hey, do you, you guys want to shoot a uh, photo with the band? And uh, he was like, no, that's OK. I'm fine. And I knew right then I'm like, this guy does not give two shits about this band. Like, it's done, you know. And the only good thing that came from that is that that guy got fired about six months later. So we were able to do a second record. Yeah. The, it is. Imp- I do think it's cool that you got the second record opportunity. And it is like, it's a real, it's really weird. Like you guys mixed it up big time on that. Yeah. One. And um, yeah. I'm I'll, I'll, going to tell you what else. The most obscure song I think that I've seen in a couple karaoke bars is Summer Song. So there was some promo put into it at least that happened yeah they they pushed that song where you're like what the fuck that's not supposed to be the first single like that's supposed to be like three singles down like nope that's the first single like but it's fucking winter they put it out in winter and fucking mess dude that whole time is such a strange time you know i like that record there's some cool shit on it one of the songs on that record if you go back and you listen to it is a song called syrup um that song dates back to uh, the original writing sessions. It's one of the first three or four songs we ever wrote. So for New Killer America, and we didn't think it was cool enough. Um, for it's New a curious Killer one. America, nothing but... else. Nothing else. You guys did sounds like that one. Like a lot of feedback. You know, like atmosphere. That's from the first batch of songs, man. That's a that's a Mike Lynchard, PC song, Will Hunt thing right there. I mean, with Billy doing that cool vocal thing that he does and. Cool tune, man. But I think it's the best song on that record, on that second record. But in 04, there was there was no room for this. Like that, like you None. think new metal was like kind of over in 01? No, 04 was. <laughs> well, and that's why they RCA went summer song. They were like, okay, this is out of the box. Like at that time, like Incubus was doing really well with a uh, drop. What's the song that they had? Drive. Oh four. No, drive would have been, you know, zero zero, but uh, Oh four, they were like more melodic. Like I get, I definitely understand why they would pick that one because it's like, oh, there's some singing here. You know, it's got a big hook. That's this is could do it. This could do it. We're not going to shoot a video for it, but this could do it. (laughs) It was the craziest thing, man. Like I was actually out in L.A. doing recalls mixes for that record, um, which it's a really good sounding record, but um, doing some recall mixes, and I got a call because we had toured with Static X, and they needed a drummer. And so I was like, well, I'm in L.A. So I went and auditioned. And they were like, great, Wayne, this is before Wayne, you know, jumped the shit, man. He was total old school Wayne, very together, very responsible. 
Um, and he was like, okay, you're it. I want you to do this. And I'm like, great. I'm in the middle of mixing the new scrape record. So if I do this, you got to take us out with you. And he was like, done. You guys can be direct support. We'll take you out. I'm like fucking, you know, people are buying on the tours like this because Static X was doing really well at the time. And so I called management. I said, dude, check this out. I just landed this thing. Static X, you know, they're going to take us out. Direct support's built in. And he's like, great. We still got to clear this with the label. So they went to the label. And then the label went, nope, he can't do it. They're like, because we don't want to break this record as a metal record. Summer Song's going to be the first single. And, you know, that's not metal. And we don't want them attached to Static X for a tour in case we have other options. Well, who did we wind up out on tour with three months later? You know, and I'm not playing the Static X. The Static X. We're out with them for like seven or six months. And Wait, so you ended up with them anyway? I ended up with them anyways in 2009. Oh, you ended up with them? Yeah. God. Years, like five years later. But but who did you guys tour with for the Up the Dose cycle? Static X. It, was, uh, it started yeah. off with... Yeah, Static X and um, Soil. I know, right? Like perfect, the perfect J record story. You and Soil, because uh, we interviewed yeah. we interviewed Tim King of Soil too, and he had you know he, my homie. He had like a he had a very different experience with the J records Clive Davis operation because Clive Davis dumped like a million dollars into breaking that band and it didn't work. Whereas you just wanted nope. Clive Davis to I've got it right here, eat a nice hot bowl of dicks. Yes, I got a lot of press for what I said about Clyde Davis because he came in and bought the label. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, again, I was young and angry. <laughs> what we all? Who hasn't said something similar about a boss? About honestly. Clyde Davis. Yeah, not a reasonable reaction. Well, I, did, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, so from here, this kind of begins like your journeyman era. Like, like you know, you've been through it all when you've done a little time in Methods of Mayhem. Yes, which was in between the two scrape records. And it wasn't Methods of Mayhem. It was actually just Tommy Lee solo. Um, he had the song Hold Me Down that came out. It was that actually did really well. Um, you did play on, is this a lie? If it is, I got to edit it. You did play on a public disservice announcement. I did. By Methods of Mayhem. I did. That song, Fight Song, um, is a song that I had actually sent to Tommy. Um some demos that we were working on for uh the very first start new day record and we ended up not using it and then he ended up taking it and getting chad kroger to come over to his house and they were having drinks or doing whatever they were doing and they came out with that and so when he went to go do the record he's like dude this isn't my style necessarily i mean he could have played the shit out of it of course but he i think he was just being an awesome friend but he was like dude i want you to come and play on this and i, I was floored but uh yeah i went out and played on that it was really really cool but then i didn't know this happened instead of touring with them morgan rose did the drums for their tour right that he never toured he only did thing that he did on that um he before that record he did another record in between the Tommy Lee record that I toured on and in between public disservice announcement he did a record called Tommy Land that was a little more just rock, I think. And he ended up playing one late night show, Leno or something like that. And he had called me to do it in 09 and I was out with Static X. So I couldn't do it. And 
So Morgan ended up doing it. If you're reading this on Wikipedia, it's so fucking wrong. Why you got to call me out like that? Why do you got to call uh, me out? Because I, it's that? a, I, just, I, know, I gotta, shut I gotta up, ride Grandpa. into shut them the and fuck tell up, them Grandfather. to fix that shit. Makes me look like an asshole. I got to fix that. Happen. Thanks for reminding me. There you go. Well, <laughs> I did, but that did get me around to something I forgot to ask earlier. You and you and Morgan Rose do have like a similar style. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think so. Maybe I'm I'm a little more straightforward than I he wish. Is. Um, I really I, wish we had more drummers that were had shouty headset mics. Like I, they need to give you a shouty <laughs> headset mic now in your band because I just really liked that about you and Morgan Rose was you both were just loud back there. I mean, truth be told, man. Like I let's see the band that I was in before I joined Stuck Mojo. Um, we played several shows with it was crawl space at the time and that's where i met morgan and i remember seeing him sing like that I'm like that's fucking badass so truth be told and all credit due i you know i ripped that off of him however fast forward to scrape i didn't want to do that and i just remember that we were writing songs and that in waste there was a part we like you know we wanted to be this aggression and billy can't sing that because he holds this note over so he needs somebody else to sing that and so i just remember in rehearsal everybody giving it a try and the next day we walk in and mike the guitar player is like hey what's up man no voice at all just shot and then pete's like hey, what's up man I, I lost my voice man. i can't talk and i walk in i'm like hey what's up guys what's up so by default i wound up doing that it wasn't because i wanted to but just no one else could do it Great. You're like the Thanks exclamation more. mark. You're like the exclamation mark. Then all the statements you're doing the what you say and you're doing the. Oh, yeah. so I know, man. They need to give the mic. Like I was going to pass out. Amy needs to give the mic back to you. You need to do. You need to throw some of those into going under and uh, call me when you're sober. We need some shouting <laughs> up there. It'd be so wrong. And, OK, so check it out. So we did a cover of um, Fleetwood Max the chain. Hmm. And at the very end of that song. I'm doing that. I'm. You'll hear it. You I'm, oh, I that. can't wait. I can't wait to revisit that. Yeah. What's the deal? Have you guys ever played that live or like you haven't played it live in a really long time? Uh, the chain? Yeah. No. So we were going to play it in Mexico uh, in October 2019 at Knotfest. And we would rehearse it. We were doing it. I was going to sing my parts, scream the whole nine. And then we didn't play that show because of the riot. That's where my drum kit became a I was going to say, is that? Yeah. I remember that, too. Yeah, that yeah. happened. So what anyway, our fault. Really? But... So your whack-ass Wikipedia page decided to jump this one. <laughs> 2007, yeah. you joined Evanescence. Yes. That'll be what everyone listening to this is thinking. They'll be like, did he just skip Evanescence to talk about methods of mayhem? What the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. 2007 so, how did you end up with this gig this must have been very exciting for you i was playing with vince neal motley crew at that time um so i think i'm the only guy in history that's played with two members of motley crew as solo artists and then played in motley crew because i filled in for tommy in 2000 fucking year was that 2006 I'm not even going to try. I don't trust this. And then again in 2007. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a twisted circle. It's, it's uh, you know, incestuous. But I was playing with Vince Neal. I was out in Vegas. Uh, there was a producer guy, this guy, David Bendith, who, if you listen to any of the old stuff, he did, you know, uh, God, uh, 
the record for Bring Me the Horizon, that blew up. He did Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. He did a lot of shit. Anyways, I'd done some session work with him. Evanescence was looking for a drummer. He called and said, hey, they're going to call you. I was at a gig in Vegas with Vince. And uh, manager called and said, hey, Amy's going to call you. She's getting married tomorrow, but she wants to talk to you. And um, so she called. That's and a wild like, hey, conversation just... to have the day <laughs> yeah. before your wedding. Totally. She's like, Incredible. listen, and she's, she, this, and this is a testament to how cool she is, but she called and said, listen, I'm getting married tomorrow, but I got to get this ironed out. She's like, I've got a tour. We're halfway through the cycle. It was in the middle of the tour for the second record. She was like, I need a drummer to finish this out. I need, you know, six, seven months and I need a guitar player. And at the time, Clint had just four weeks earlier had joined Corn to be their fill-in guy. And we, we were tr trying to write the second Dark New Day record. And then I, he's like, she's like, I need a guitar player. He's like, well, I got one. So I called Troy and Troy came in. So we came in together. Um, but then she was like, but I may never do this again. I'm just letting you know, like, I need to finish this and I don't know what I'm going to do. And there was a lot of problems with, you know, label, management, whatever. And she, you know, had had a rough go of it, man, quite honestly. <sighs> and um, so we finished, I was, Detroit and I'm like, well, look, we're going to try to be a positive in this. And then maybe if we're lucky, you know, she might want to do this again. And um, it took a while, but <laughs> five years later, we did get back together, so. Oh, so you joined, left, and then joined again. Because well, they didn't left. do anything in that oh. whole middle bit. No, she basically went and lived her life for a little bit, you know. Um, she had just gotten married, so got off the tour and just kind of, you know, got herself together. And I think, you know, you could, sometimes you can't plan this stuff, but I honestly think that she, you know, by doing that, she's, she gave the band and herself more of a career. You know, she wasn't ready yeah. to keep going on. So she didn't. That's good. I mean, good that she took a second. I mean, she was under so much pressure as it was. It was like the only two, the final two new metal. No, they were the last breakout new metal band. I was like trying the to like put it really together in my one. head. They were absolutely yeah. the last ones to really clobber it, especially as like a rock group, a heavy rock group on their debut album. Like, Fallen is like yeah. the last rock album to some re respect as being like an album that comes out of nowhere and just conquers the world. Yeah, I mean, it just sold, it just went diamond. I mean, there's only like, I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think there's like just over a hundred records all time that have gone diamond. It's a good estimation. And I, it's about right, isn't it? Definitely, definitely about right. Out of, out of every of, album ever released, <laughs> like a hundred, yeah, in the yeah. top one hundred, ten million. It's one of the first albums I ever bought. <laughs> Thank you See? for your. No, that's awesome. It was. I bought. I got that and Hybrid Theory, two for one special. Wow, wow. That's a diamond. That's a diamond record too. I think yeah. it, got it definitely be. is. Definitely is. Um, gotta be. I mean, that was. I mean, that's kind of like where Evanescence's sound came from i don't want to belabor the lincoln park comparisons too much they had enough of that at the time but it was like the program drums the guitars and whatnot kind of carried over from there and then but i think that they they did make a break from new metal on uh the open door which is a lot more orchestral and gothic and has some like more pop yeah. elements to it and then by the time of self-titled where were they around self-titled i'm not as familiar with that era self-titled came out in 2011 
2011, yeah, October of 2011, and it debuted at number one on the Billboard chart, album chart, the top 200. Yeah, and it, um, and it did spawn a top 40, I want to say it was a top 40 hit with What You Want, which is really impressive. That's that's like crazy longevity. Were you a full, you were a full-time member at this point? Yeah, and we got into a room together. I mean, there's a kind of a it's somewhat public story about what had happened. Like, um, she had gone to make a record. Uh, it was something that was going to be really different, you know, and for the next, for the third Evanescence record. And she started working with this producer, Steve Lillywhite, who, you know, very famous guy did, you know, like U2 under a blood red sky. And I mean, a shit ton of stuff, big dude. And long story short, just didn't work out. Like, you know, they recorded a record and it was really fucking cool. I've heard it. Um, well, she did a solo was, album. No, it wasn't solo, man. It was going to be an Evanescence record. With Steve um, Lillywhite, wow. Yeah, and it just, it just, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, it didn't work out. So fast forward, we got back together and we got in a room together and we kind of started hashing out. And to his credit, um, the producer, Nick Rasky Lennox, who did that record and also did our most recent record, The Bitter Truth, which to me, I, if you haven't heard this record, it's so fucking good, man. It is um, really good. Anyways, you thank you very much. I think it's man, it's a fucking kick-ass record. But anyways, Nick did both of those records, and Nick kind of there was a lot of hesitancy and a lot of nervousness and a lot of pressure. And you know, Amy was coming off of having just worked her ass off on something already that she thought was beautiful and cool. And you know, Nick came in and just kind of like, look, guys, he's kind of like the pep talk dude, you know, and he made it happen. And we came out with that record and. I like that record, you know, there's some cool stuff about it, but I don't think it's anywhere near this last one we did. You're talking self-titled? Uh, self-titled, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's good, but I think this new one is like, we hit a stride. It was like, all right, here we are. Now we got, now we got it. That was such a weird moment for rock metal bands, especially bands that were new metal to some degree. Has Amy, let me ask mm-hmm. you this, has Amy ever talked about new metal at all? Because I'm sure she's in the papers somewhere as being like, we're not that, we never were that. Please don't ever talk I about think, that again. You know, I don't think she has to talk about that much because unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, um, Evanescence got lumped in with goth rock you know gothic metal right i mean that's the thing that you forget kirk is like because amy was a woman they weren't new metal really right yeah yes. i don't think we, i don't me. think that that name has ever been attached to evanescence which is to me odd but what you just said might be the reason whoa whoa whoa, whoa. new they're totally a new metal band you can't listen to bring you can't listen to bring me to life with its grunting rap no i know that that is the truth they but like they have always how been people talked about no, it. No, no, they have always been a part of the new metal conversation. You can't do that. You can't I take have, that from me. I have yet to see it written anywhere where they go evanescence, you know, new metal. I see it goth metal, goth. Yeah, it's like it's that's you, like, and that's maybe it. I don't. What do you do? I need to. It's quote, not at all. Please don't make me quote Wikipedia. It's the first genre on here. It's the first genre on. Is here. it really? What new do they say? Metal. New. What metal. do they say though? <laughs> Because every every time they put new metal in something, they put a citation on it. So who do they cite? This is me. Okay, they cite me. I don't know. I don't know who they cite. But, this, <laughs> but you can't do this to me. I know that this band has been considered new metal since the jump. If for no other reason that they came out during, you know, not not peak new metal, but like in the same climate as such. And plus the guitars, 
the mixing, I'd say the drum programming for sure, all point strong yeah. to new metal. Plus, you know, the one rap breakdown. Uh, but I think, I do think going okay, under that's really also not true. That's too, on, the genre. on the little, the little like info card. Uh, one alternative metal is the first one. Gothic rock is the second one, and then the very last one is new metal (parentheses) early. Are you talking about? No, you're talking about the band. You're looking at the band. I was looking at the oh. album Fallen. I was looking at the album Fallen, and of course oh. they do that fucking early thing. Ridiculous. The yeah, well, like Fallen is obviously a new metal album, but but when like people talk debate. about the band as a whole, can you believe this? This could be the whole rest of the interview. You could go well, get it. What's, funny, get what's a, funny about it, man, is that there was a long time where it was just like new metal was something that you just kind of tried to hide, kind of like these hair metal bands, like, you know, your hair metal band, you know, you try to hide that because grunge is in. But now it's kind of like new metal is almost a badge of honor. You know what I mean? Like LeJohn from Seven Dust has come out and said, yeah, man, yeah, fuck yeah, we're new metal. And I'm like, fuck yeah, LeJohn, yeah, you are. And so are we. Like, I don't know. You know, I don't know that Evanescence is new metal. I, I don't know. I'm gonna let Amy weigh in on that. That's her. That's her argument. But um, I, it's nothing that it's like something that I want people to embrace on their own, though. Like I don't want to necessarily push it on people because that's disrespectful. And I do think that I do think that you're right in terms of like yes, they were also very gothic rock. But what I wish yeah. it happened is I wish that new metal didn't become this really slanderous thing because it would have been interesting to see them develop both sounds in tandem instead of feeling like we had we got to break off into just straight alternative like gothic rock which is great which is great the I open think it's a great album but you know i, I do yeah. wish we could have kept some of those elements i'm not saying you guys should hire a turntablist or something but you know i am <laughs> oh god maybe maybe <laughs> though you know good good, good point maybe maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't know i think i think actually i think the most recent record has more elements of new metal potentially than any other record besides the first one for sure just because of the grooves and the way it's laid out you know it's it's there's those heavy riffs in there that are wrote it you wrote it over the pandemic Mm -hmm. how was that process well we didn't we started before the pandemic but and we've actually recorded four songs for it leading up until the end of February. And um, the original idea was to go out and do some dates that we had booked. I want to say Australia and Japan, actually. And then the pandemic hit, and we were like, well, shit. And the idea was we were just going to start dropping songs every you know, two to three months. And in March of that year, I think the first song uh, was... was um, wasted on you wasted on you and um that song came out and it was like well shit you know now we're in a situation where we gotta finish this record um and thank god we did because it was therapy for all of us and we were able to you know channel all that crap that was going on into this record and you know there was no outside distraction like there's no dates to go do because you can't tour there's no you know uh promo things you need to go do because you can't talk to anybody in person and it was just like look all we can do is make this record and we did it worked out i think it was record wouldn't have been the same if we uh if it hadn't been done during that period of time did you guys typically record separately do you jam like how does the songwriting process happen and like how did that make it differently were you guys like already sort of oh amy writes this and then we do this amy 
it's not written in stone that it has to be this way, but um, Amy writes, you know, the melodies and the lyrics. Um, if someone came in with a melody that was, that, you know, knocked her socks off, she would definitely, and loved it, she would use it. It's just that um, no one's quite done that yet, but uh, but it comes from all different places. Like sometimes people come in like, hey, check out this idea. And then we kind of chew on it and get together and like hash it out, and add things and take things out. Um, sometimes it can just be, uh, there was a song called Game Is Over that just started, I was playing this beat. Um, it was actually a ripped off beat from an old song, but uh, not an Evanescence song, but um, and that just came together like that. So it just comes from all different places. I mean, we, and I've said this before, but you know, when you're riding with a group of people, it's a very intimate situation um, and you have to trust each other and you have to be able to kind of like, you know, show your true colors without feeling weird if it's stupid or, you know, nobody gets it or whatever, um, you know, because not every not everything's going to land. But for us, I think it's just that we're able to kind of sit in a room together and kind of hash that stuff out. And sometimes it gets heated, you know, sometimes you feel like, what the fuck, you know, you don't understand this, you know, but uh, that's in every situation I've ever been. You know, it's just if that's you're how, passionate that's, about what that's you're doing. how it has to be to make good music. Absolutely. Got to be some button of heads. There's not a lot of bands. Friction, there's not man. a lot of bands that reflect on their career and are like, "That was easy." Yeah. <laughs> I've oh. never heard one. <laughs> you know who? You know what? You know who? Who did have that was Coldplay. There's like an Amazon documentary about Coldplay, so and funny. I swear to that God, have you seen it? Have you? No, oh, no. It, but it is I like that where it. they're just like, where they're like, "Yeah, we fired our drummer at one point, and." We decided that was a bad idea, so we hired him back. And that's like the most dramatic it gets. The rest of it, they're just like, we made that album. It did great. And we made that album. It did better. We made that album. It did well, even so better. You're talking about a band. Here's what's funny. My drum tech, when he's not, and my drum tech's been with me since right after Scrape. He's been with me forever. And when he's not with me, um, Scott JC, JCDC, I call him. And um, when he's not with me, he's a lighting tech. So right now, oh, he's yeah. actually in Seattle with Coldplay. He's, you know, he's part of their lighting crew. And he texted me yesterday and he's like, dude, you're not going to believe this. He's like, Coldplay has a mental health tent. I mean, they're playing stadiums, okay? So it's a tent. He's Perfectly like, on they have brand. a mental health tent. So if, if you know, they got a on salary psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever. So if you're having a rough day, you can go cruise into the old mental health tent and get a little, you know, get a little mental workout. I wish my job had that. We all we all I'm need that. Saying, dude. Did you ever? <laughs> we oh, all no, he, did. you ask him if he used it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's only he's only been there for two days. But I, I, I told day him one, I day I one. Did. I said day one. I'd I be like, I'm like, gonna I hope you use that there. resource. Please. I come from a family of mental health professionals. My dad's a psychiatrist, and my sister's a psychiatrist, a psychologist. So it's the family business. Somehow I missed it, but um, but I told him like, I hope you use that resource, buddy. I hope you go and talk to those people. I mean, not a bad idea, all things considered. Like, you got it's not got a whole bunch of people who are probably, you know, thinking about their feelings in a way they never do. But yeah, it's It's so not metal. (laughs) So, reflecting on this like career of yours, though, it's like you've been now in Evanescence longer than any other band, right? Yes, yes. Do you sort of define yourself yeah. when you think about it? Are you like, yeah, I'm the drummer for Evanescence, or it's like, because it's like you have this huge career. I'm like still trying to take all this in. I'm like, oh, he was, he did some stuff with Soil, he did some stuff with Crossfade, 
did some Device. stuff down here with who? Oh, Device, Device with David Draymond. Draymond. Did some stuff with Pete Murray. Stain. Did some stuff with Stain. That must have been miserable. I mean, he you just you've done it all. <laughs> No, I love Mike, man. Really? Mike, oh, love you love uh, you love Mike. That was because you did the stain thing during their self-titled record, right? Yeah, which was a great fucking record, man. You, to each his great own. Fun. And that was when they fired the <laughs> shit out of their drummer. They fired their drummer. Yeah, so that, well, you know, that was a tough way. He, I hope he's okay. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But yeah, you must have came in and whipped that band in shape. I bet those songs sound better live with you on the drums. Oh, well, thank you. I had a great time playing those songs. It was fun, man. But when you take it all in, I guess, as like a career, do you sort of see yourself as a drummer for Evanescence? Or is it like you're this, I don't know, freelancer? No, I, I mean, I, I've said this, you know, and it's become more apparently true in the last, say, five or six years, maybe seven years. You know, I'll lose two years with the pandemic, but call it since like 2017, maybe when we started getting active again. Um I've always said, you know, Evanescence is home for me. Um, that's home. Um, I do all these other things and I love doing them all because I love to play. And it's a lot of different genres, whether it's, you know, Vince Neil playing Motley Crue songs or if it's playing with Slaughter or if it's playing in my own weird bands or whatever bands I have, like my band Heroes and Monsters that I've got. Um, I just love to play, man. But, you know, it's like Evanescence is home. and um, I'd like to think that, you know, we keep doing this for a really, really long time, you know, um, and again, you know, the ball's in Amy's court, but she's up for, but, um, we all have a great time together. Uh, we're friends, uh, the band's in a really good place. We've got, uh, Emma from, uh, Sick Puppies on bass now. She's been with us for a while and it's just, the band's strong. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, and again, like with this whole resurgence in new metal and this whole thing, like we just went to Australia and everything was sold out. Um, we're yeah, going to South America. Wild. It's crazy. And we're going to South America and it's, it's like they were um, in Sao Paulo, for example, the fans were going, yeah, we can't get tickets. And we were playing an arena. There was like 15,000 seats or something. And uh, they're like, we can't get tickets. So they moved it to a stadium. So we're like 35,000 tickets for the stadium in, in Sao Paulo. It's like, the fuck is going on but i'm down i dig it you know so um i don't know i I love being in evanescence and i love uh it's a family and it's very cool so yeah i'm the drummer of evanescence <laughs> you're the very rare new metal survivor survivor story you know so many of these bands so many of these bands it's because man, i'm a drummer out. yeah yeah that is what it is <laughs> that is what it is like there's always there's always work for the drummers there's always work for the drummers that is what it yeah. is like hard to get out there like oh i i i sing anyone anyone else need a singer it's like tough but if you're like anyone I interested i can fucking drum i could drum <laughs> you're always I playing I, mean, I can play a lot of different styles you have not had a year off have you uh well covid but <laughs> you but you kept um, writing recording it sounded like right we did so not technically i mean it's the weirdest fucking thing man like the only time enough you know there's an article in modern was it modern no it was the cover of drum magazine article back in 2011 and the only thing that uh it's like when i, I got into evanescence in 07 and she finished in like november of that and um and then in a strange twist like again that's where the scene was changing 
I had nothing, man. I didn't do anything again until Static X in 09, you know, from 08. Mm-hmm. So 08 was a dead year. Miserable year. It was for a lot of us. 08 sucked. Many things were happening. Sucked. Thank you. I had a decent 08. Oh, but I was also like 16. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I always forget. I always forget. Like, yeah, and my like, family, so did I. I was 11. My family weathered you were the recession. 11. My family seemed you to weather the recession big. very yes. well, but I, so I always forget. I was like, I was like, oh, everyone lost their house. That's right. That's right. Oh, right. Of course. Uh, me, me being one of them. Um, oh, damn. Thank you for that. But yeah, no, 08 sucked balls. I don't ever want to go back to that again. So yeah, yeah. I'll take being super busy. Like, I've been home since February. Um, I'm home right now, which is wild, but I've been home since February, about three weeks. Um, Where is home? Which is insane. Uh, Orlando, Florida. Oh, hometown. Is that where you're from? No, but I'm saying your hometown. Your hometown. Oh, yeah, my own. Well, it's not my hometown. I'm from a little bit of a more redneck place than the panhandle of Florida, but whatever. Who's counting? Where in the panhandle? I claim Orlando. Kind of a big city. We're in the panhandle by chance. Well, I'm actually from Gainesville, Florida, which is okay. you know, home of Tom Petty. Um, and my dad went to high school with Tom Petty. Oh, that's crazy. Like guitar and Tom Petty's band, like is the <laughs> whole thing. Um, and then he got smart and decided he was like, I'm gonna go be a doctor, <laughs> which I should have <laughs> done too. Well. <laughs> so what's up next for you? What's up next for Evanescence? So we go to, we just got back from Japan and Australia, as we talked about. Um, we go to South America, Mexico. It's our first return, uh, our return visit to Mexico since the riot, you know, in 2019. Um, you got to play the chain. Well, you know, that's, that Come came on. up and it's kind of like, do we do that? And that was in the set before we had the new record. So I don't know if we'll, we might. You never know. Okay. So real um, quick, before we get away from the chain, how did that end up okay. as part of the Gears 5 promotional campaign? Because that's a game I still play to this day. It's just saying, oh, you, were, awesome. you were like leaning forward in your seat. You're like, this is and not like, passing me by. It's video game time. <laughs> it's video game time. Taking this on. Um, Microsoft reached out to, you know, man, Amy via management or whatever um, and said, hey, we want to do a song. I can't remember how all the ins and the outs but along the short of it was that they wanted to do basically the guy that was doing the score and conducting the orchestra for the soundtrack for gears of war uh, they wanted to get amy and him together to do this cover and i don't remember exactly how they decided on that but she said okay cool but i want to do it it's going to be evanescence and i want to do it the way that we would do it so um they said okay cool so we got together and that was kind of the impetus for this last record because um nick came in he mixed that he didn't produce it the guy that did the score produced it but um that was kind of like when we got in there and started working that out it was just like oh fuck yeah and we could tell that we were on to something and we were all feeling it like okay this is the springboard but um but that's how it came about and then you know, we were going to go play that for the first time in Mexico and we were stoked. You know, you never know how it's going to react when you play a song for the first time live. But um, still to this day, I've never played it. It's kind of like an omen. So I don't know. Like, I feel like Mexico City 
we need to break that song out, man. I feel like you kind of you got to rip the bandaid off. Like, don't let it become cursed. You got to just. Go when for is Mexico? When get are you that doing? Monkey off our back, man. Exactly. When, are you, when are you doing Mexico City now? Because I got to get this episode out before you do Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing. Uh, when is Mexico City, man? I don't have my phone. I have to. It's it's like in it's October ninth, maybe seventh or ninth. Okay, quick turnaround then. Quick turnaround. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, I fly out on the fifth, and um, I think the first show's on the. So maybe it's, that's it's a nice. Thursday because the seventh is a Saturday. Okay. Don't quote me on that date. You have to check that out. But to um, summarize, is Scrape a new metal band? Absolutely. Come on. Proudly. Gotta have that. Gotta have that. Fuck yeah, dude. We I feel like, you know, we were kind of nobody knew it, but we were at, at the beginning of the movement, you know, like we were doing it before it was a thing, before the label started signing all these bands. Um, we were early to the party. We just got held up. You know, but it paid off. It paid off, together. man. It's like it's like I'm sorry you guys didn't go triple platinum, but the album is so good, and so I feel really blessed. That triple plywood album. Yeah, <laughs> hundred thousand is nothing to sneeze at. Hundred thousand. I've you. I've never sold hundred thousand records. Cran, have you sold hundred thousand records? Yeah, but oh my god. <laughs> if you see project, listen. If you see William Billy Billy Keaton around, let him know I love his voice. Thought he had a really. I will. I, I talk to Billy all the time, man. He's actually, um, he and his wife are the whole reason that my wife and I are together. I mean, oh, uh, me and Billy go <laughs> way fucking back. Dude. We go back to 1993. That's it. That's when we started writing songs together. I let him know too that I loved his sideburns. I think he had one of some of the best sideburns in the game. The chops, dude, those are great. Him and the keyboardist, like both had those going. No, it's amazing, amazing. Bricks. That's, that's I I have a funny story. You want to hear a really quick funny story? Oh, absolutely. Time, take your time. I got nowhere to be. Okay, check this out. This is a good one. Um, so his name is Brick. I don't know if you know that or not. Keyboard player and also guitar player. Oh, his yes. His name is Grape was Brian. Um, and I know Brian Bricks longer than I've known Billy. I know I gotta call him Bricks, I guess. I know I've known him since high school. I was a freshman in Tallahassee, Florida, the panhandle. Um, and he was a sophomore and I was looking to start playing in a band. And somebody said, Hey, there's these two guys, you know, guitar players that are in the same stuff that you're into. And I got introduced to him. And one guy's name was Tim and the other guy's name was Brian. And when Brian introduced himself to me, he's like, Hey man, I'm Brian. He's like, but it's just Brian. Like, I'm changing my name the first chance that I get to change my name. Literally, the first words out of his mouth to me when he met me, when he was 15 and I was 14. And lo and behold, he changed his name. He did. So people are like, the fuck is he thinking changed his name to Bricks? I'm like, man, he's sad. He was committed. He was changing his name. And it goes like, way back. It's been thinking about it for a while. Life. Wait, like legally? Forever. Legally, legally, yeah. I gotta fix Good this. I gotta, I gotta. I'm hopping off this call. I'm fixing this fucking Wikipedia page because it says his name's Brian Briggs, like it's a nickname, Milner. And I want to no, say something else. Name. It, it also says here that he played turntables. No, he never played turntables. He was keyboards, was uh, like, keyboards and guitar. The, no. I was like, no, that was the that was the guy. whole that was the fun of scrape. Is instead of having the DJ, you had keyboards. 
we had we had keyboards, man, and he would kind of do stuff that sounded like uh, turntables on it. But he's just Brian's a very talented dude. He's a you know he's very smart, too smart for his own good dude. And he um, he came in like after we had kind of written that first record and just started adding things, and then like the verses and ways. He's like, hey, but what if we do them this way vocally? And just great ideas, man. And it wouldn't have been the same without him. But uh, he he was just, you know, he's an interesting cat, man, just like all these guys are. Like, I do remember in Orlando when we got together, all the other bands around Orlando that were trying to do it, they were all going like, this band's not going to last two weeks, you know, they're not going to last three months. And then we were the only band that got a deal. That, that, was, that was me going, like, you know what, watch this shit. You're like you were like big in Japan, motherfuckers. Big in Japan. Big in Japan, bitches. <laughs> I think exactly. I think uh, I think Scrape reuniting and doing like a Tokyo show or something. Wouldn't that just be fucking so sick, dude? It'd be sick, man. I'd love to so do cool. it. Okay. I love it. We you know it's like, but it's funny because the one guy in the band that I don't really talk to is Bricks, and he and I are the Bricks. ones that go back the farthest. Um, and you know, without getting into too many details, it's just one of those things. And I love them. I, was, I hope that one day we can talk. No, 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 um, no. You, you pass me bricks now. I'll talk to bricks. I'll talk to bricks. All right, you get out. it done. I'll talk to bricks. But I talk to Billy all the time. You know, I talk to Pete all the time. Pete's act funny story. Pete's actually out. Uh, he's the head pyro guy on Disturbs tour. You know, all these you see all oh, the yeah. shit where the sprinklers have been going off. Yeah, you know, because of all their pyro. He's the guy in charge of that. So there, there you go. <laughs> so he's got his hands full. He does, you know. Now, I, you can't you can't speak for the band. You know, we all know only one person can make this statement declaratively. But in your opinion, is Evanescence a new metal band? Oh, wow, man, this is going to this could get me in trouble. I don't know how to answer that question. Hmm. I think I think at its core it's got a lot of that in it, man. It's you can't deny it. I mean, you know, the first record, whatever, you can't deny it. But as a whole, the big picture, I don't know if it fits that mold, man. I don't think so either. I don't usually say I think this. You're right. But I think that it would be disrespect I think it would be disrespectful to Amy to the band to say they're a new metal band. Like, no, no, no. Like, Fallen, like, you'll nah. never, you will never take Fallen from me. You will never take Fallen from me. Like, I'll argue that is a new metal album <laughs> to the day I'm dead. But if, but like, immediately starting with the open door and continuing from there, it's like, it's like, yes, like, there are bits and pieces, but definitely more symphonic metal, gothic rock, alternative rock. Like, like, yeah, for sure. Totally. Like, I, can, I can admit it. I, can I think alternative, it. alternative rock or alternative whatever you want to call it i mean because that's the thing i think that that's where the longevity for the band comes from is that it's not any one genre it's got all these things underneath it that make it so unique and you know amy loves to rock i don't want anybody to think that that's not the thing because she does but she's into a lot of other shit too as we all are and it kind of comes in you know you can tell by the way that she writes and all these other things that happen with the band um, I know she likes to rock because it it feels to me like her favorite song to play off of the bitter truth is take cover. Yeah, we ripped that tune. That's a fun song, man. Might um, be the heaviest. Might be the, maybe the heaviest. It song? is. Yeah, that's so, the heaviest song we have. I think 
I think. She gets the, you know, that there's that note that she gets the hold of this, but wow. And I even said something to her when we were, you know, recording it. I'm like, man, I just feel like I want to scream over that part. You're like, yeah. Wow. See, come on. Get but, the headset. Yeah. The headset mic's got to come back. It's got to come back. <laughs> this is such kismet. I don't know if I'll read the headset mic back. What about Will Hunt? Is Will Hunt new metal? Oh, man. Will Hunt's. Fucking fuck yeah, I'm new metal man. Yeah, I'm part of the fucking forefathers of that shit. I'll I'll wear that badge proudly, man. Fuck yeah, I love that shit. I still listen to it. The good new metal because there's a lot of garbage, just like anything else. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. That's what people said about your band once upon a time. They did, but but I'll stand by it. There's a lot of crap in the in the genre what? for sure well, yeah never but, been but, hold on hold on we're like an hour in so i think you can just say it. what was like the worst band you toured with back then in terms of like how bad they were yeah like you every night you were like yeah like oh. vibes vibes are sound kirk what are, sound, you, what are you going for here sound. okay he said there's a lot of crap songwriting. I, who well i think and i was just saying songwriting like i think the thing for me about it was even scrape at its core like we knew how to write a hook like the, and not all the songs on that record are great, you know. And I don't think anybody's record, unless you're, you know, Metallica's Black record or ACDC Back in Black. There's not very many records that you know from front to back are great. But I think with Scrape, like we knew how to write a fucking hook. Like we knew, like man, we need to change. And it was all about, hey, let's change the key right here. Boom, snap it up. You know, well, you like, know we what? New, to do that. Nuclear, Nuclear America is is something that I like more than just like greatness. It's consistent. Like you're saying, like, oh, you yeah. know, maybe it's not great front to back, but you can listen to it front to back. A lot of new metal albums yeah. at this point, it was like single, single, single. Who the fuck cares? It's like with this one, I mean, you know, like Blowout's like the one of the best songs on the record. It's the final song. It's awesome. Thank you, man. It's funny, man. There's another the original version of that I think is better. Um of the album? That and yeah. Well, the original version of that song. There's a demo floating around on YouTube of we recorded on a cassette eight-track recorder. Um, and it's got, I think, five or six of the songs from that record on it that we did this demo with uh, one of my best friends, this guy Jeff Lando, who's a guitar player for Slaughter and for Vince Neil, and he engineered it and produced this. Um, and uh, there's there's like Kill Control is also a different version. Kill Control, I think the OG version of that song is better. Um, so we hit, we, some things came out better with Ulrich, the producer, like, uh, what you say became this fucking monster. Uh, oh yeah. I love that. Oh, I waste. love that song. I love that song. That should have been like, like you guys should have been doing stadiums, you know, with that song, the opening song, that song gets me fired up. You, That's what made Vinnie Paul and Dimebag bring us on tour with them. They were like, That's the fucking song. Oh yes. I found it. I found it. Great. Yeah. I'm glad that we can wrap this up. Hold on. I'm, I'm really excited. That we can wrap this up with this. Thank you. I would like to thank the, I would like to thank the Instagram account new metal forever for actually making this happen because they're the ones that have an entire, an entire petition. We need it's it, the petition says we need scrape back to show the world of music, how it's done again, 103 out of 200 signatures. I'm going to sign it as soon as I'm off here. So send them my way to more interest than that. Like one person for every thousand copies sold. So uh, yes, I got we need so more interest. Big thank you, Hunter Thomas, because it was you. It was him posting on Instagram and tagging you and getting your attention. Yeah. They put me onto you and made this possible. So big thanks to that. Big thanks to everyone. Just keeping the flame alive. Right. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank all of you, Hunter, you guys, everybody, man. Like 
I, I love it that new metal is kind of becoming a thing again. And, you know, I think it was the bastard child of rock and roll for a little while, but I think it's uh, the bands that really mean something and know how to write songs are, you know, still around and still coming back. So I think it's awesome. Will Hunt, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. Thank all of you guys, man. Appreciate it. This has been Holiday Kirk with the New Metal Agenda. Thank you, my co-host, Riv and Cramfather, for making this happen. Uh, just reminding everyone at home, please make sure you're listening to, platforming, and appreciating all the bands, young and old, that are making this music today. And have yourselves a wonderful evening.